One of the best food scenes in the country, right here in Minnesota. And nobody knows it like magazine food critic and James Beard Award finalist, Jason DeRussia. Now bringing you the most interesting people and hottest trends. Let's listen in as DeRussia eats. You are going to love these two women as much as I do. Hey, it's Jason DeRussia. I'm the food critic and editor at Minnesota Monthly Magazine and here at WCCO Radio in Minneapolis. I introduce you to some of the most interesting people in food. DeRussia Eats is where we celebrate excellence in the food community from the chefs to the bartenders to the restaurant owners to the farmers. Uh, Today, you're going to meet two badass women leaders. Sarah Botcher is the chef and owner of Black Walnut Bakery. I just think it's the best bakery uh, of its type in the Twin Cities. Sarah is an incredible baker from her croissants to her breads to her cakes. She has a cake program. I mean, some restaurants have a bread program. Or they have a wine program. Sarah's got a cake program. (laughs) I love it. We have a really interesting conversation about finding inspiration, finding creativity, the routine of baking, how those constraints uh, inspire her. I think you're going to enjoy that. And Karen Tomlinson. Oh, Muriel is an incredible restaurant in St. Paul. Karen may be one of the most underrated chefs in the Twin Cities, which is remarkable for someone who has uh, made the long list for the James Beard Award a couple of times. Uh, she has won pork cooking competitions at a massive scale. She'll talk about that uh, in this episode as well. But Muriel is just outstanding. We talk about innovating and we talk about femininity. Is it all right to describe her restaurant as feminine? I think you'll enjoy her answer. You'll enjoy both of these incredible women's food. If you get a chance to go to Black Walnut or Muriel, you must. So sit back, get a croissant, get some beautifully cooked pork, and enjoy episode 23, Badass Women Leaders Under Russia Eat. Our guest today is truly one of the most talented bakers in the upper Midwest, Sarah Botcher from Black Walnut Bakery. It's so good to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Uh, You know I love you and (laughs) your bakery. Uh, Your path to owning your own bakery in Uptown has been an interesting path, hasn't it? It sure has. Is this what you envisioned when you started working in restaurants? No. I I, I don't think that... When you when when you start out with an idea, you know where your path will take you. But I think being open to it is kind of where you just have this winding road and you detour and you go here and you go there. And all of a sudden you look back. Now I look back and I'm like, well, it all made sense and it all worked the way it was meant to just fell into place. Doesn't feel like it at the time, but <laughs> when you were a kid, though, you thought you there was something that drew you to baking. Yes, right? I actually, honestly, you know, when you're in, you know, grade school, and you're like, "What do you want to be when you grow, get older?" It was being a baker, hmm. and there was a time where it competed with my dream to own a Dairy Queen, 
and then live above that. It was a valid. Yeah, it, yeah. it was. It was honestly, and then it toggled between the two. Uh, <laughs> How's but, your soft serve kind right, of curl? I'm terrible. Yeah. I'm sure. I've, yeah. I don't. You've I, never done it? No, I think I did once when I worked at Marshall Fields in, in their confection Oh, department yeah. years ago, but you grew up in the Twin Cities. Or I did in, in I Minneapolis. Did. Or yes, I lived out of state as an adult for a few years, but yes, I did grow up here. And so you worked at Marshall Fields. I did work at Marshall Fields to get management experience in business. So, so that's that's where I was at um, for like before I started baking. It was mm. right before I started working in the kitchen. And you went to culinary school? I did. As an adult. Yes, I did. After I had already been in the industry baking, I went to culinary school later. So I was definitely the oldest one in my class. There was an old Sarah. That was me. (laughs) The young Sarah. (laughs) Sarah. (laughs) Like, I did not put that nickname. Someone else did. And I was like, thanks. (laughs) It's hurtful. It's hurtful. But it is what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I I felt very fortunate to go to school older because I was so excited about it that I wanted to be like super achiever. How old were you? 35. Yeah, yeah. That's older. Yeah, it was. But it was, you know, being in the industry. You look so young. Well, so. you know, baking does keep me, <laughs> keeps me young, even though the sleep, the lack of. The lack of know, sleep. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You and I have a, a similar. similar old, well, my old schedule is yes. not that different from your current schedule. Black Walnut Bakery is in Uptown, Sarah Botcher is our guest. And uh, Sarah, you started, you, I, I think I first met you when you were the baker at Butcher and the Boar when that originally opened. Yes. That but where was where else did you work? Um, I worked at Barbette. That was oh, yeah. like years ago. That was one of my first uh, jobs. But my first kitchen job in fine dining was with uh, Stephen Brown at mm. Levon. That was my uh. first and that's where it, Such a great it sealed the deal for me. So, what it, what is it about baking? Because bakers are very different in temperament, I think, usually than a savory chef is. Absolutely, uh, absolutely, we're much more mild. Uh, although I don't consider myself always a very mild person, but you have to do, like you said, your temperament, um, but also your focus is different, um, and how you approach your work is very different. Uh, so, you know, working in the restaurant side, that was, that was, that's a totally different culture than the baking culture. And, uh, it definitely requires a different kind of personality and mindset to approach that, the kind of work that we do. It's much more routine based. Um, you have to be very comfortable with routines because you do the same things day in, day out. Hmm. And then, so repetition, and to get actually very good at something, you have to be re- you do it you know, repetitively over and over and over again. Uh, and then you also have to be resilient. Uh, resilient because baking is very hard. Uh, there's a lot of failure because there's so many components involved in it. Uh, time, temperature, any one of these com- like combined uh, elements can go wrong at any given time. Um, and so you have to be very nimble and know how to, how to correct, but also there's an exactness to it. Yeah, Absolutely. Everything is timed, um, very specific when you're working with, especially yeasted products. Because uh, 30 seconds in one direction or the other. Yeah. You can over bake a cookie in 30 seconds. Easily. Uh, you know, yeah, very much so. Or even a sheet cake, you know, so, 
uh, a croissant can get too dark and then it can dry out. You know? So there's a lot of elements involved. And so resilience, I say that because failure is so much a part of your equation on a near daily basis. Hmm. So if you can manage that and overcome Where a chef, that. A savory chef, you can sometimes throw a little of this, throw yeah. a little of that, and yeah. you kind of save it. Yeah. You can't. Sometimes you can, but not really. Maybe I add a little extra, you know, simple syrup on a pastry at the end. But so, uh, you know, it is. Powdered sugar. Yeah. That is. That can uh, save it a little bit. I hate powdered sugar so much. <laughs> Even on an almond croissant. Uh, when you bite into it, it just gets all over you. And you think, why, why? Why are you trying to cover up whatever you screwed up on top of this? Well, I mean, to me, <laughs> I it's, like the, sugar. it's like the equivalent of a lobster bib. If you wear a lobster bib, you could wear that for powdered sugar, you know. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. that's what I should do. I Interesting how Sarah blamed me. I think that's perf- That's I, the I, Baker I, personality yeah, right yeah. there. <laughs> You're missing out on the joy of the, 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 the slight sweetness. The almond croissant is yeah. terrific. Yeah. It's true. Sarah Botcher is our guest. Black Walnut Bakery is uh, the business she owns. What is the hardest thing to make, to make correctly, I should should say? Um, I would say with all the steps involved with so many, like uh, when we were talking about time and temperature, croissants, yeah, croissants. are a big, that's a big one. That's I'm, a three-day process. It's something I've never tried. I'm very afraid and in intimidating. I, I wouldn't bother. Honestly, it's a lot of work <laughs> yeah. to do at home. Um, if you don't have the burning desire, just go buy one and enjoy that. I would rather buy one. Yeah. I yes. mean, it's a lot easier. What makes a croissant, uh, you know, when you're tasting someone else's to try to compare or, or your own baker's? My to make, own. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what are you looking for? Um, you, you want to assess uh, the, the, Flavor, obviously, number one. Um, and sometimes you can taste fermentation in, in the flavor, mm. which is ideal unless it's over-fermented and then that's alcohol and flavor not desirable. Um, you want to actually taste the presence of butter. Uh, a texture should be appealing, you know, slightly um, crunchy, but it's more flaky. Uh, and so there's a very much more like tactile sensation when you pull apart a croissant and the flakes and does it stretch, uh, or is it mm-hmm. tough and uh, you know dry and overbaked? There's a lot of lot of different things that it could go into that probably take longer than the segment about what makes a croissant great. Cros- but like right. your initial response should be something of joy, something that makes you feel good, and that's like, oh my god, this is amazing. Uh, and and it is there a- is something about a croissant that I think gets that sort of visceral reaction. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have that. I know some people maybe do with a cookie. I have that reaction more with a croissant. Yeah, when you bite into a croissant, it's like this very much like many, like multi-sensory hmm. feeling yeah. of like, you know, you've got the flavor, the 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 crunch, the noise in your head, huh. uh, you know, yeah. flakes on your face. I know, croissants <laughs> can be messy and I'm not very, upset about that. Yeah, right, right, yeah. you know, so. There's I, something sensual about, uh, about a croissant, there yeah. just is. And it's very satisfying uh, as a baker to assess when you have a good one and you cut it open because you have to check the quality of a, a I do for my own mm. work is the cross section and what does it look like on the inside that, you know, the, the beauty is the ultimate I, deceiver. I say, uh, so something could be completely oh. gorgeous on the outside, but you cut into a pastry and it looks like total, you know, you know what on the inside right. because it was not actually, uh, done properly. So it, it you really, to test what it is, it, you can see the crumb structure, 
uh, in the inside, and how does that look? There's um, a lot of there is a lot of chemistry that's going on. Absolutely, yeah. This yeah. is science for yeah, sure. Absolutely, yeah. I, it's hard not to think of this as like a metaphor for the for the human condition, right? Seeing the beauty on the outside, it's and true. Some, it's not always indicative of what's on the it's inside. It's so true. So don't ever let that fool you when you're baking. See, you know. bakers are weird. See, like this I, is I don't I, think I'm being weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. There's a lot to be thought about yes. within the structure of yes. whether it's a, a yes. loaf of bread. Absolutely, or- sourdough is another hard one to get right. You know, and there's a lot of like uh, resting time, mixing in bulk fermentation, folding, shaping, all sorts of different things that you know. You get the temperature wrong, and it's never going to mm. be, you know, you can't go back. But um, so, you know, it is it is something, though, that if you are focused on what you do and you love it, for me, it's a constant evolution of growth. So I may be doing croissants the same every day, but I'm constantly, like, tweaking, improving, and making them more of what I want to say, what is my expression of, like, what is the best that I can possibly make? So, it, and it takes a long time that to get there. That drives you. That does, because yeah. there's, when you are in, a, you, you do routines and you have, you, you have this space in, your, in your, your routine, in your daily bake to think more freely, because everything is already in place. Everything is to the time to, like, my whole bake every night is the same. So that gives my mind space to think about things differently and creatively. The routine, the routine allows, and the structure yeah, creates allows. room for creativity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because cool. then my mind can start to wander a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sarah Botcher, Black Walnut Bakery. We are going to take a break. I want to ask about uh, the business challenges of owning your own bakery, being in Uptown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll also hear, because you... Obviously, you love restaurants, so we'll hear about some of your favorite spots to go to in town as well. 421 to Russia Eats, brought to you by the Minnesota Pork Board and Liquor Boy, continues in just a minute here on CCO. Go visit Black Walnut Bakery. It is phenomenal. Sarah Botcher is the chef, the baker, the owner, the HR director. Sometimes you're the floor sweeper. you got to do it all when you own your own place, right? Everything, yes. You work seven days a week, essentially. Yeah, what I are do. what are your hours? Do you have to do you have to show up at the first bake first thing in the morning? After this segment, I go to work, so I work overnight. So you work overnight. Yeah. So your yeah. hours are usually four or five to to the next day. Very long hours. I work. I yeah. work. Yeah. So you know, I when mean, do you sleep? Uh, I should sleep. <laughs> is more of what I. So I don't I don't sleep much during the week uh, in the afternoon a little bit, but I I know you're not supposed to say that you can catch up on sleep, but I do on yeah. Sunday you nights. Can. You can I, I do yeah. I sleep the sleep doctors yeah. say you can it's so, not as good but right. you can sleep. but I I sleep solid Sunday nights so that's my I I'm off for like half a day on Sunday into Monday morning. So is it tricky when you own your own business and you own your own bakery? You want to control the quality, so there you are baking overnight. Yeah. But also guests sort of want to see Sarah, and I, you're yeah, not it, – it's well, difficult to be there at all times. Right. It is. I, I, I'm out on the floor when I can uh, in the mornings for sure. I always try to make a point to say hello to at least one or two customers. Do you like 
the it's okay to not like the customer interaction. I no, you know what? I some don't. Right. I, I do. I you, do. Yeah. I don't always have the mental space to do both. Yeah. And that's the part where, especially in the morning when I'm just getting the products out, I've already been in a full, you know, many mm. alti- money hours. Yeah. So so I, I'm just like, I got to get this out and then I got to go shape sourdough, but I need to go in the office and do some paperwork. So, or I got to train the team on this. And there's only so much you can you can do uh, energy-wise. But, you know, so then there's the other element of social media. That's an outlet that's a little uh, less structured as far as store hours. It's outside of that, too. So I can make connections there as well, which I think is important, very important. You do your own social media. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so do you see, like, do you see complaints that people do as well as compliments? I, those will come in through, if we get, usually email, if there's Uh, a a concern. So the social Um, media is more people posting something that delighted them. Yes. And then interaction of like, hey, do you, what, hey, what's this? Or questions about some of the products or just also feedback, comments in the posts that we do. On Instagram, Black Walnut Bakery has 10,000 followers. Yeah. It's pretty great. I think it's pretty cool. It took me, you know. It takes a while to get there, but I'm I'm like, whoa, okay. I mean, people like us, I guess. <laughs> I hope. People do like you. They yeah. should. If you talk to chefs in the Twin Cities, almost without fail, Black Walnut is considered the best bakery in town. I'm blushing. That's so nice. It's true. Well, you know, I think when you have your peers as as – they, when your peers approve of what you do, that's the uh, uh, probably the highest compliment. Tell us so people get a sense of some of the products. There are things that you do that are special to Black Walnut or are not available everywhere. Right. What, are, what are some of those things people should know about? Uh, I think we do very unique items within some pastry realm. Uh, you know, our our individual pastries are not like we, we kind of create some of our own uh, croissants, different danishes, uh uh, seasonal fruit, um, and then and then outside of croissants, we also have uh, cakes that we do. We make our own custom cakes. We we do not make, you know, your custom cake. We make our custom cakes. You know, so if someone says, "Can you make a black forest cake?" No, I'm no. sorry, but we offer uh, some really unique things that you can't find anywhere else that we created for our bakery. And then there's like the egg sandwich, that signature egg sandwich. Mm. That people, you know, they, I don't know, it went viral. There was some mukbang video. I, I that was, I'd it's, never heard of a mukbang until I saw this where video. Where like people eat, eat on camera. Yes. And then, sort of gross and very, weird. And, it was very weird and gross. Uh, and, and, but yet it, it did garner a lot of attention. Or like our croissant loaf. People flip out about that. So we always make sure we have croissant loaves in the, in the case every day to sell. So. Sarah Botcher is the baker and owner of Black Walnut Bakery. Three favorites spots you love to visit in the Twin Cities. Yeah, so I struggled with that answer because I work all the time, so I don't go out. Mm. Um, I do go out one once once a week to go get coffee. It's my sacred Monday. Don't talk to me. I read my news like an actual print newspaper. At Backstory Coffee downtown. I love to go to the oh, North Loop. That's a beautiful spot. It's so nice. Yeah. And they have my favorite coffee cake from Vikings and Goddesses. Yes. And I always get, I every every week I always get that coffee cake. It's right on paper. Washington. It's perfect. It is. It is so nice. And yep. the staff is great. 
I get there at 7 a.m. when no one's there. It's perfect. Nice. Um, so that's one. Okay. okay. I got that. I Last weekend or no, last Thursday, I went to Spoon and Stable for the Synergy Series. Yes. And I, uh, for Nancy Silverton, the chef from uh, Los Angeles. So I, that was the first time I've been out for dinner in many months, but it was wonderful. Excellent. So, so I, like I said, so I don't get good. out because I work at night. Because you're working. Right. So that was great. Gavin always delivers hospitality, wonderful service. The food was delicious. All right. Uh, actually, I have another one because I did go at Christmas around that. We closed for a week around Christmas. So I went to Tosca uh, mm. to see Adam Vickerman, uh, the chef there, and had wonderful Italian rustic food. It was nice. so good. So simple. Uh, pasta was amazing. Everything was just delicious. So Perfect. if you haven't been there, you should go. It's in the spot. Where yeah, it's in the Levan the old was. turtle bread. No, it's in the turtle bread in the, over in Linden Hills. Oh, right in Linden that Hills. That one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. So the, I guess Sarah, I did make three. You did it. <laughs> go check out Black Walnut Bakery. The cakes are amazing. The croissants. Everything is terrific. Uh, you're terrific, Sarah. Thanks Thank for you. coming in. Thank you for having me. Sarah Botchard. DeRussia Eats continues. Here's your host, Jason DeRussia. And our guest today is one of my favorite chefs in the Twin Cities and just a terrific person as well. Her restaurant is called Muriel, M-Y-R-I-E-L, in St. Paul. And she has, well, do do I contractually have to introduce you as a, a James Beard <laughs> award Karen Tomlinson is here. Karen, I mean that that you you get the uh, you get the finalist designation for forever. It's pretty cool. Thank you. Congratulations. Yeah, it's, an honor. it's an honor. Uh what was your reaction when you ended up on uh on the list? Um I uh actually had no idea until I, until I started getting texts from people and um I kind of forgot that it was that time of year, to be quite honest. Right, um, but right. it was a great, it was a good surprise, a good way to wake up. It's pretty nice, right? So you, uh, is this your first uh, time as a semifinalist? Or? No, actually, um, I was a semifinalist um, back in the corner table days. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. So mm-hmm. tell everyone your story, because I first met you when you were working in pastry. Yes, yeah. But well, you grew up here in the Twin Cities, right? I did, I did, Yep. None of my career has made sense. It really is a wonky story, but um, and I'm sure there are many people who can relate to that too. Um, worked for a nonprofit for a few years after college. Went to cooking school when I realized I needed to do something a little bit more creative. Um, I went off to France to do that, and then did as did much you, as. Did you know how to cook at the time? Did I you mean, cook for fun? Or? I cooked for fun. Um, I had really only started after I left the house, and I started gardening. Um, and I started to realize, you know, really you can make anything if you set your mind to it. I'd grown up around a lot of hospitality. Um, both my grandmother and my mom were good cooks who would invite people into their homes a lot. My parents would. And, and, um, so I just saw the power of food and bringing people together. And, but it wasn't until I was a little bit older that I started to exercise that for myself and really kind of fall in love with the whole process, both from, you know, growing things to, preparing something delicious for people. The gardening and the growing out yeah. was really triggered something. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, and so I, but I realized I didn't have any technical experience, so yeah. that's when I decided to go to Paris, of course, because who Naturally. wouldn't want to? Right. <laughs> and um, I was signed up for a really intense program there at Le Cordon Bleu, and um, when I came back, I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I was determined not to become a chef. Um, I thought maybe I would teach or just become a you know food personality like one does the moment they get back from Course, cooking school. Right? Yes, you become very famous. Yes, and- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Skip over all that hard work. Right. Um, but I actually I did a, a few different things. Worked in a test kitchen, started a catering business, and I got my first restaurant job at Meritage. And um, did Meritage, a little bit a of great everything. St. Paul restaurant. Yeah, Russell and Desta Klein. Yep. Yep. So I did a little bit of everything there and kind of fell in love with the rhythm of restaurants while I was there. And after, I don't remember, maybe a few years, um, I had an opportunity to take a position as a pastry chef at Borough, which was also not on my radar. Um, I never really particularly wanted to go into pastries, but I saw it as an opportunity to learn how to grow a program and take more ownership over a menu. And I did learn a lot about pastries. Um, and that was often, a really- often a savory cook and a pastry cook mm-hmm. have have very different temperaments. Yes, yes. Because like any any of our listeners can relate to cooking at home where when you're making a meal, you're sort of, you can throw in. A little in bit th- of this, a little bit of right. that. It's a lot of intuition. Pastry, it's get out the scale and measure in grams. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I so just, was that hard for you to transition? Or? No, I mean, in some ways, sure, but not really. I mean, I'd also worked um, with a great uh, R&D chef, um, so I learned oh. a lot about uh, test kitchens and consistency, and yeah. I think that helped set me up for success there. Um, Did and, you just have a curiosity, you think, that, that guided you? Yeah, I think so. Curiosity and sort of this uncanny probably sick at times drive, you know, I was pretty tenacious and really wanted to keep learning and, and, uh, pushing myself in all these, in all these ways. So, um, I just kind of kept going and, um, eventually I was on a trip in, in, uh, Scandinavia. I was kind of at a fork in the road. I knew I could either kind of really make a go of it in the pastry world or, or do something else. And, Ended up visiting some friends in Norway and Sweden, and while I was there, went to Favikin, uh, Magnus Nilsson's restaurant. Ended up meeting him, and we got to chatting, and he kind of could tell where I was at in my career and said, you know, you could come work here for the winter for free. <laughs> this is one of the best restaurants in the world. Yes, yeah. One of the most acclaimed chefs in yep. the world as well. Mm-hmm. So You must have really charmed him. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's that <laughs> Minnesota-Scandinavia connection, maybe. Maybe, right? Right. <laughs> but... Um, yeah. And this was 2017 or 2016, yeah, something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm the worst with numbers, uh, right. dates. But anyway, it was sometime back there. And um, so I went and did that and um, came back and eventually connected with Thomas Bamer of Corner Table. And um, he was looking for someone to kind of take the helm uh, at Corner Table. And so I said, sure, why not? <laughs> I've never done that before, but let's go. And uh, did that, and that was a really great, great team, great experience, learning a lot of things. Like, that's when I first started um, learning about and getting interested in whole animal butchery and sourcing from some really cool farmers. And that led to your uh, your first uh, listing as a James mm-hmm. Beard Award, and also you won uh, this Cochon yeah. 555 competition, uh-huh. where for a while, anyway, you were the... Uh, the 
Princess of Pork. Princess, and then the Queen, the and Queen then the of queen, Pork. Because then what... you won the national <laughs> yeah. competition, international yeah. competition, or national? Uh, I don't I mean, remember. International, if you count Canada, that counts. Yeah, yeah. All right. may, may as well hype it. Yeah, up, right? yeah. But just what a crazy path. Yeah, no, I mean, really, like I said, none of it has made sense, and I've been so grateful for all the people along the way who've kind of taken risks on me and given me yeah. a chance um, to surprise them. Karen Tomlinson is our guest. She is the chef and owner of Muriel in St. Paul. Describe Muriel to our listeners who haven't been there. Yeah, so Muriel is a really um, sweet, small, intimate space. Um, if, to many people, I think it feels like a space you'd expect maybe in New York or parts of Europe, a little like a neighborhood restaurant. And um, our, you know, we use really classic cooking technique. You know, definitely my time in France and Sweden can can show in the way that we view our our food. But we're working with a really cool um, small farmers, and in particular, most of our food is coming from a community west of the cities, a farming community. So it's kind of hyper local. And you've always been sort of in love with with that gardening background with the vegetables yeah. and and yeah. I I think when you go there you get to me anyway what what your team brings is just incredible technique like mm-hmm. everything is perfectly prepared mm-hmm. and perfectly seasoned it's very it's precise in a way that isn't uh, fussy, if that makes sense. Yes, you know? not not tweezer food fussy. No, no, no. Yeah, but the technique is really buried in in the background. You know, it's really it's there, but it's a lot of long process food stuff that takes you know a long time to prepare. It's you know making making vinegars and making you know long braises of meats and using everything that really that takes its own kind of technique. Karen Tomlinson is our guest on De Russia Eats. Karen, I, I, so I struggle in the right way to say this because it's weird to bring like gendered language to a restaurant, right? But your restaurant to me feels feminine, mm-hmm. not, you know, where you might think of like a wood paneled dark restaurant mm-hmm. as feeling masculine. There's something yeah. light and delicate. Yeah. Does that resonate with you? Is that a weird thing to say? No, no. I mean, and I take it as a compliment. I, uh, you know, I think there, um, even in the aesthetic that we have there, I wanted it to be a very, um, we actually added those big doors in the front that has more glass, that lets in more light. I thought after, especially after, you know, COVID, everyone needs more, more light light. and levity (laughs) and, um, you know, so even in the the very simple and kind of rustic surfaces that we have in there, I just wanted it to feel very clean so that the focus is really but clean but warm so that the focus is on people. Really, that's a huge thing for us at Muriel is hospitality. And I wanted it to feel the moment you walk in the door, a sense of nurture. So for me, that comes out even in some ways we use China that many people recognize from their grandmother's homes. And you know, we want it to be a, an excellent, fine experience for people, but have that sense of home and nurture, hmm. which I think is, you know, generally uh, associated with femininity. You're you're a pretty young woman. Well, thank you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel sometimes that you have an older soul? I oh, mean, yeah, a hundred percent. Right. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's partly why I like being in St. Paul too, because you know, if the city were a person, she would have an old soul. Yes. No question about mm. it, right? St. Paul is your grandma's China. Yes, yeah. And we mean that with all full. With all the best. One of our texters wanted me to ask you if you've ever been to Lindy's uh, in Arden Hills. Oh, I know exactly where that is, but I've never dined okay. at Lindy's. I went, I went there on Sunday. Oh, 
uh, for or Saturday night for the yeah. fir- first time. I had never been there either. It's yeah. been around since the late 50s. Oh, yeah. And there's something... I think people want me to go food critic on a place like Lindy's, oh. and I will never go food no. critic on a place like that. <laughs> where you, which it was really good. I had a really good piece of sirloin steak. It was delicious. It is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. And I, those kind of places, I think, help make a city what it is. Exactly. You, know? you need yeah. you need those icons. It's for an sure. institution. It is. Well, you should go. Yes. Okay. Duly noted. <laughs> Karen Tomlinson is our guest. We are going to find out Karen's uh, three favorite restaurants to go to that don't include her own so we'll do that plus we'll talk about the future of fine dining there's been much written nationally about whether we're done with sort of the tasting menu expensive meal i uh, can't wait to hear what karen has to say about that muriel is the restaurant de russia eats is the segment it's brought to you by the minnesota pork board and liquor boy we'll continue in a minute here on cco Derusha Eads brought to you by the Minnesota Pork Board and Liquor Boy. Karen Tomlinson is our guest. Muriel is the restaurant. It is right near uh, St. Kate's. So right by the beautiful gate on the corner there. Uh, used to be Bar Brigade. A beautiful restaurant in St. Paul. Very close uh, right off the highway to get there. When you open this restaurant, um, you sort of designed it to have a neighborhood appeal mm-hmm. where because people can walk in and order mm-hmm. off a menu, right? Yep. Yeah. But it also is a tasting menu, like mm-hmm. a little more high end experience. How right. how do you kind of balance those two things? Yeah. Well, that was something I was terrified about, you know, before we opened, but it's been working well. Um, it's, we do have an a la carte menu, um, that we have available every night, you know, the, all hours that we're open and including at the bar where we have walk-in seats available. So you don't even need a reservation. And that's really there to serve the neighborhood or just there for a good every night dining experience. You know, you can really dine at your own pace, but we wanted a place where we could really showcase, you know, the work that our farmers are doing, the work that our, our Mm. kitchen is doing, um, in a more special, not a more special, but a, a, a differently special, uh, <laughs> elevated it's all special. experience, yeah. you know, that is more like you're entering a story. And I love, when I dine out, I love not having to make decisions, too. And so there's something really to be said for tasting menus for that ex- for that reason. Like you know, how many courses is it? I mean, I think it it's varies, like 12, 13, somewhere around there. But right it's designed now. where you're not like, you don't roll out of there feeling. No, we don't want anyone like feeling or, miserable. Yeah, right. we definitely, I, I certainly don't want that for anyone. But um, yeah, it's small bites uh, spread out over an appropriate amount of time and, and uh, with the option of wine pairings too. You only do one a night at 7.30. One seating. So everyone who does it is doing it at the same time. So there's a little bit of a communal feel because of that, which I like. Now, when you launched, you're tasting menu is 145 bucks a person, yes. right? Yes, yep. So I was worried that for St. Paul mm-hmm. that 145 bucks a person was mm-hmm. going to be a non-starter. Right. Were you worried about that? I was, to be quite honest. It's and one of the more expensive tasting menus in the Twin Cities. It period. is. It is. But, you know, we um, you know, it makes sense from from our end, from what we what we know goes into it, but it's been really interesting. A lot of people 
they have chosen to have their first interaction at Muriel B, the tasting menu, even so from the neighborhood, yeah. which was kind of a fun surprise for me that I didn't expect. Do you think people are more open to a high-end dining experience because of kind of how everything got shook up during COVID? I think so. I think we need special moments. I think we need moments of connection. And for some you know, really committing to a big deal date night like that or a big, you know, that mm-hmm. just kind of yeah. makes it feel important. It makes it significant. And I think that might be part of it. I'm not really entirely sure, but um, I'm glad glad to be surprised on that one. Yeah, I think, uh, and Karen Tomlinson is our guest, Muriel is the name of the restaurant. I think a lot of restaurants have found that people are, are it's harder to get people to go out and have a, a, a night out on a Monday or a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But people are willing to spend money if they know it's going to be special. Right. And I think, you know, that was something I thought about a lot during the pandemic. I did those little quarantine kitchen cooking videos and thought about the phenomenon that all of a sudden more people had to cook at home. And maybe even kind of started to like the idea and see that it's good. And if I could prescribe anything for anyone, you know, I would say, great, do that. Embrace home dining, be with your people. And when you go out, be really specific about where you go and make sure that it feels worth it. Yeah, makes sense, I think. It's all right to it's all right to treat yourself mm-hmm. and treat someone special to you and right. have a special night out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be intentional about it. I like that. Karen Tomlinson is our guest. Uh, all of our chefs hate answering this question. <laughs> so so congrats. It was like pulling teeth to get like Sami Wadi uh, mm. and uh, Christina Wen to answer this question. But mm. what are some of your favorite restaurants to go to in town? Don't have to be the best restaurants, right. but the favorites. Well, I'm just going to rattle off the very first ones that come to mind, maybe recent experience. So um, all my colleagues out there, you won't be offended. Right. Just this is like the first thing that <laughs> yes. came to mind. I don't get out that much, but, and I'll just say three different categories. So one more special experience, like a tasting menu experience that I've really enjoyed, um, as uh, Kadonomise. I really mm-hmm. love going for the te- Kaiseki dinner. I really respect, um, chef Shige and, um, everything that his team is doing. I really like that. So that's been great. Um, it's a, people don't realize how special and unique that oh, restaurant it's is. It's really one lovely. of a kind from between the coast to get a Kaiseki oh, yeah. like that, which is sort of a, they bring what they want. It's sort yep. of a Kaiseki. And his delicate, touch and things is just what I I really respect that way of approaching food. Even though we're using very different ingredients, I feel a bit of a kindred spirit Mm. and I feel very refreshed whenever I've gone there. Um, And okay, so completely other end of the spectrum. I just recently have a couple times visited my friends at Little Tijuana's and I really love what they've done with that space. Um, Just a fun, casual, I like that they're open late. There have been a couple times that I've done events and afterwards I'm starving and I'll run over there for one of their delicious little burgers. Nice. Um, Right near Eat Street. Near Eat Street, exactly. Um, And then something, if I want to stay closer to home, because actually I live on the west side of the cities, I love um, the Broder spots and I love their approach Mm -hmm. to hospitality. So good. So great choices. Well, thank you. Great work. Great work. Great work. Not that you need my validation, but it was great work. It's so nice having you here. Thank you. Uh, It's been great to see your success, and I hope you win a James Beard Award. Mm, Thank you so much. I think you deserve it. You deserve it. Karen Tomlinson, Muriel, M Y R I E L, is the restaurant. We're so glad to have you here on CCO. Thanks, Jason. 
Thanks so much for listening to the DeRussia Eats podcast. On WCCO Radio, 830 AM, we do conversations with chefs, with farmers, with small business people every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. The podcast is available every week. If you enjoyed what you heard, I would love for you to leave us a review. Give us however many stars you can. I don't know, 10, 20 stars would be nice, five stars, and leave your feedback as well. It really helps us grow and helps support covering the food community here at WCCO Radio and in the DeRussia Eats podcast. If you'd like to email me with an idea or a question about the restaurant scene, you can email jason at odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com, jason at odyssey dot com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the DeRussia Eats podcast. Thanks for listening to DeRussia Eats. Dan Cook is our producer. Jason DeRussia is your host. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. DeRussia Eats is a production of Odyssey.